0: The Juice on the Cues podcast on the Big Heads Media Network is presented by mybookie.ag. At mybookie, it's time to celebrate the college football season. Sign up now and make your first deposit to get a dollar-for-dollar match all the way up to $1,000. The best part is mybookie has thousands of bets to choose from, from the full NFL slate to college football to the NBA playoffs. From live betting to championship futures, every play you want is waiting at mybookie. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Use promo code JUICEONCUCE and double your first deposit now. Again, that's promo code JUICEONCUCE. It's a no-brainer. Your winning season begins today only at mybookie.ag.
1: It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football.
0: Today on the Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about Syracuse football's struggles in its 2020 opener and a new wide receiver commitment. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is our great friend and former Syracuse defensive lineman, Tyler Morona. Tyler, how are you today? Thanks so much for coming back on the program.
2: Doing well. A little bit of a rough weekend, went 0 for 2 with my team, I'm also a Dallas Cowboys fan, so um, I'm feeling it. I'm definitely feeling it.
0: Sorry to hear about the 0-2 weekend, Tyler, and on that note of football, you hosted a trademark podcast for a full season last year. Catch us up on what you've been up to since then, including your coaching career.
2: Yeah, so um, when we spoke last, I was in Houston, Texas, and um, actually a lot's happened since then. Uh, Right after the season, um, I was blessed with an opportunity to start my coaching career at Houston Baptist University um and i was with them as a uh, quality control uh defensive analyst and spent about 6 months there and then once the pandemic hit um there was just going to be real no budget for that position so um i was looking for high school jobs around and there just wasn't any in texas that i felt great with and um felt called to move back to california and um so since that time i took a job in Southern California, and um, I'm actually here right now. So, and I'm getting started, getting ready to be the defensive line coach at Newport Harbor High School in Newport Beach, California.
0: Congratulations on the new position. I know you're going to do really well there. And I wanted to talk to you about Syracuse football. 31-6 loss in North Carolina on Saturday. Pretty rough loss. I wanted to get your general thoughts on the game.
2: I think generally speaking, it's tough to tell, like, if Syracuse was as bad as, the final score indicated if north carolina is as good as the final score indicated or if the truth lies somewhere in between um and with no preseason with no real camp and with a lot of these lopsided scores and especially how uh saturday and sunday went it's really hard to kind of take uh, or have a takeaway from this weekend because it's to me um the same problems still prevail for syracuse on offense and um, I know we'll get into this a little bit later, but I didn't think that the final score was really indicative of how well the defense played in the first half. So um, I'm kind of at a, a, a an incomplete grade at the moment. I'm not sure how, how you feel.
0: Yeah, I agree, Tyler. And normally Syracuse is able to ease into its conference schedules with games against an FCS team or a G5 team. And it's hard to grade the team Opening on the road against a top twenty-five conference team, so we'll see. For right now, I'm grading them an incomplete. And in your answer, you touched on this new three-three-five scheme, new defensive coordinator Tony White. What did you think of how the defense played in that D line?
2: You know, actually, I actually I really liked it, and we're kind of toying with it for what we're going to use at the high school I'm coaching at. And um, I thought that with the Players that we have and the personnel that we have, especially the three defensive linemen that were in most of the game, I really like the looks that they were able to present North Carolina with because the, the talk was, oh, you know, North Carolina, very high, you know, high octane offense. It's going to be trouble for Syracuse to keep up, especially with the new defense. And I thought early the story was going to be written about how Syracuse's defense, you know, proved to be the um, you know the antidote or you know the kryptonite for what North Carolina was doing and really for most of the game it was and I thought that the way especially just the body types of our defensive linemen right now they're thicker and a guy like Josh Black you got a sack because he still has some good some good motor good quick twitch abilities Um but I thought overall what we kind of didn't have in pass rush from the past few years with a guy like Kendall Coleman, Alton Robinson, Klis Chris Slayton, even going back to Chandler Jones and, you know, kind of the Ron Thompsons of the world, the guys that provide the pass rush, I thought it was okay because the guys in the secondary held their own too. And um, I think that – so the defense is going to be very complementary of each other. And we even saw a pick out of our middle linebacker. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of good positives to take away. And it's, to me, the most impressive thing is that they were able to get this done during the pandemic and install a completely new defense. So um, – and I thought it, uh, it looked good for the most part.
0: Yeah, I agree. The final score wasn't indicative of the outcome. And going into the fourth quarter, Syracuse's defense had actually held UNC to 10 points before they got tired and the Tar Heels took advantage. But I think the main concern from Saturday is the offense. They only scored six points. They had four consecutive three and outs in the second half. From a coaching perspective, what can Syracuse do to boost its offense?
2: Ultimately, it's it's going to come down to, can we run the ball for four yards at at a time at will? And um, you know, that's, you know, a lot of people will think, you know, hey, you know, is, is that so hard to do? Um, but when there's no, you know, there's no continuity, there's been no continuity on our offensive lines since Eric Dungey and, and crew graduated. So for the past two years, our last season and then the first game of this season, if there's no continuity, if there's no um, ability to create solid reps that creates a foundation for our offensive line, I think that. It's going to be really tough, and I think that Tommy is a guy that really excels with, um, you know, maybe an extra hair of time. You know, I think that overthrow on the corner out in the end zone was overthrown mainly because Tommy's a little, you know, he's he's scared that he's going to get hit every time he drops back, and um, so it it leads to um, a rushed drop back, and then when he's able to actually finally get the ball out of his hands, it just doesn't quite look right. And I think as long as this offensive line is going to struggle to have continuity and consistency with the starters, then it's going to provide, um, you know, a tough formula for the offense to all of a sudden wake up one day and say, Hey, you know, we're actually going to finally start scoring points. It's, it's, It's a little bit harder than that. So, um, that that's kind of the the easiest way to get it done, but at the same time, um, you know, we can't just wish it into existence either. So I'm I'm I, this is the one that me not being an offensive guy is, is on honestly something where I'm like, I don't really know. And uh Coach Babers definitely has a um a, you know, his work cut out for him. And Tyler, we'll get you out of here on
0: this one. Syracuse is playing 10 ACC games this season with one against Liberty. They added UNC and Notre Dame to bookend the schedule, two top 25 teams on the road. It's a difficult road ahead of them. How do you see the season playing out?
2: Well, first off, I, I love this schedule. I think that the more – I am I just love the ACC in general. I've always grown up. I, I love watching it. So to me, like, this is um, how I would love for the season to normally play out. Um, yeah, all the way around. So, um, you know, it, this is a real treat for me, being a you know a conference you know homer, you could say. But um, unfortunately for Syracuse, at the same time, is that we play in a good conference. So, um, I, I think the rest of the season, we we really start to see what Syracuse football is going to be for the next five years. Um, and and to me, it's like if if this season is our floor, and it is another tough season, then it's going to be the end of the season is going to be just putting together reps for um, what is to come. Or if we turn this thing around and the offensive line does get healthy, then I actually see us being competitive and being a middle-of-the-pack type of team in the conference. Because as we've seen with Coach Babers, if he does have a set of healthy guys, then typically he does pretty good, at least average. So those are the two kind of scenarios I see. If if health is going to be a problem, then it's going to be a long year. But if we can get healthy, I see us being you know in the middle of the pack.
0: Tyler, thank you so much for coming back on the program. Again, former Syracuse defensive lineman Tyler Morona, great football analysis. Congratulations again on the new coaching position. Continue to stay healthy, and we'll speak with you soon.
2: Thank you, you as well. I'm glad to be on, Wes.
0: Really enjoyed speaking with Tyler, and I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, I spoke about this with Tyler before, but the schedule makers did Syracuse no favors, opening and closing on the road against two top 25 teams. They were eventually overwhelmed by North Carolina on Saturday, 31-6, but maybe with a more forgiving schedule, Syracuse could have eased more into competitive play.
3: As I've said to you in prior years, Wes, first of all, I never like a schedule which is bookended by road games. So, the reboot on this year's schedule because of COVID-19 had Syracuse opening up at North Carolina, and they're scheduled to finish up at Notre Dame on December 5th. So that's really a negative in my mind to begin with, with that type of schedule. But in the loss to North Carolina, as you mentioned, it was the first time Syracuse has been 0-1 and since 2013 when they lost to Penn State in a neutral field game at the New Jersey Meadowlands. Now, you look at the first game opponents since then, 2014, Villanova, 2015, Rhode Island, 2016, Colgate, 2017, Central Connecticut State, 2018, at Western Michigan, and then last season, 2019, at Liberty. So what that means to me is this. College football does does not have an exhibition game. There's nothing to warm up. Even the NFL, despite COVID this year, has four preseason games for teams to get used to the regular season. Major League Baseball has spring training. The NBA, the NHL have preseason. The fact that college football doesn't have any sort of preseason has always been something that I've scratched my head about because it's really tough to go from a month of practice in August right into the first game. Then now in the era of the ACC network, well, the ACC wants to schedule attractive games to begin the season because they want to have that attractive programming and, of course, continue to build eyeballs and subscription base to the ACC network. So even without COVID-19, Syracuse was going to have a conference game to begin at Boston College. And then in the reschedule, it was at North Carolina. I don't think that's a great way for any college football team to have to start with a conference game. And so Syracuse was behind the eight ball to begin with because all that's gone on since the last regular season game ended with a win over Wake Forest a year ago, November. So Syracuse had three spring practices. Spring practice was cut short because of COVID. Then they had workouts during the summer where players participated in a pod system that could only be involved with other players in their pod. Then Syracuse began formal preseason practice in August. And what happened? There were three interruptions due to misunderstandings or miscommunications about how there would be testing moving forward. Then you have to open up in a conference game against a team that was ranked in the top 25 on the road, with a Syracuse team that just simply is still building up the depth in Dino Baber's fifth season. So there was so much not to like about the scenario that was set up for the Orange West, and as you mentioned, we saw it on the field with a 25-point defeat.
0: Brad, you touched on it. Syracuse has a depth problem. There have been injuries, opt-outs because of COVID, and with Chris Bleicher waiver being denied, it really hurts Syracuse, especially on that offensive line. They surrendered seven sacks on Saturday, really struggled to open up the run game and keep Tommy DeVito upright.
3: As you mentioned, Wes, football is a game that is won in the trenches. You have to have a good offensive line. You have to have a good defensive line. When it comes to skill position players, I think Syracuse can recruit and get its share of skill position, can get its share of speed. Dino Babers has talked about it now heading into this fifth season. He was amazed after his first year of exactly the high talent level in the ACC coming from the Mid-American Conference at Bowling Green. So he saw what Florida State was trotting out. He's seen what Clemson is trotting out. He's seen what Miami has trotted out. He's seen the other – kind of necessary talent you have to have at the skill positions to compete in the ACC. Now where Syracuse has lagged in recruiting is at the quarterback position. They have not been able to stockpile depth there to have, you know, a a quality backup quarterback to the starter and then a quality third string player to the starter. Then you add now what's happened this year at the running back situation Well, you had two players in Adams and Howard opt out, so that severely cuts the depth there. At wide receiver, you had a player go early to the NFL draft last year, so that cut the depth there. You're counting on young players coming up through the system and maturing quickly, and then you go through no spring practice, the interruptions in the August practice session, and it really makes it tough for timing. And then you look at the depth in the North Carolina game, missing a a key linebacker in Richards, missing another key offensive lineman in Dakota Davis. Really makes it hard to win games when you don't have that kind of depth. And Dino Babers talked about it afterwards, about the players getting their game legs. Well, they really didn't have an opportunity to get game legs heading into the opener, so it was learning on the job And, hey, North Carolina, very talented team. They have great skill position players, a lot of experience returning. They have a very fast defense. So, again, Syracuse, the lack of depth showed in being behind the eight ball against the North Carolina team, and it's going to take more recruiting. Now, in his fifth season, you can kind of see the staff has turned the corner somewhat, but they they, they need quarterbacks. You don't win in the game of football beside the – in the trenches without a quality quarterback. And let's look at Tommy DeVito. I mean, I think there's been some regression there since he came off the bench in 2018 and was able to provide a spark to a quality player such as Eric Dungy. Last year, of course, we know missing one win away from a bowl game, running for his life, third most sack quarterback in the NCAA, and the way it looked in the opener against... North Carolina, kind of a repeat of some of the bad moments we saw in 2019, running for his life as pass plays broke down and sacked seven times. So I I think the lack of depth, the lack of familiarity between DeVito and the young wide receiver core is really what's hampering the offense. And if you don't score points, you're not going to win games. On the flip side, I like the defense. I I think there is young – uh, talent there on the depth chart emerging this was a good game to get the 3-3-5 under Tony White implemented I think this defense and coach Babers mentioned afterwards is only going to get better week in and week out the problem is you have a very tough schedule and you have a really tough game in game number two against Pittsburgh on the road coming up this weekend.
0: Brad, let's shift topics and talk a little Syracuse basketball. The ACC is meeting this week to discuss pushing back the start dates with a variety of different options. What are you seeing there?
3: The ACC, in conjunction with the NCAA, are going to look at four possible dates that are expected to be announced in the coming week. They are starting practice September 29th with the season to begin November 10th, starting practice on October 9th with the season to begin November 20th, starting practice on October 14th with the season to begin November 25th, or starting practice later on October 24th with the season to begin December 4th. As I look at those four different scenarios, what I think is likely to happen is they're going to look for the November 25th start date. That's the night before Thanksgiving, and that would have practice starting on October 14th. And when you go back to the pre-ACC days for Syracuse basketball, that's when they normally did start practice, right in the middle to the end of October and started the regular season right into the later half of November. I think that's what's going to happen because, as you mentioned, with the uh, COVID-19 disrupting so much of the academic schedules for uh, colleges around the country, students will be home for Thanksgiving break. They won't return for the uh, December uh, portion of the semester. So that would be an ideal scenario to reduce any risk of you know, more COVID-19 transmission by having you know, less people on campus. But to me, Wes, it's still all up in the air. And when you look at Syracuse's announced game so far, November 10th against Maryland-Baltimore County, don't see that happening. The ACC Big Ten Challenge, not likely to happen in my opinion. December 8th against Green Bay, December 10th against Jacksonville, December 13th against Mercer. Uh, just as with football, maybe there would be one non-conference game, but I think the ACC coaches want a complete exclusive conference schedule because of the abbreviated nature of what's going to happen. And the other game I don't know if will be played or might be moved to a bubble atmosphere is the previously announced Gotham Classic against LSU – probably doubtful that that happens at Madison Square Garden. So, so much is in limbo. We'll know in the coming week what the NCAA and ACC are thinking about for start dates, and then we'll have a better idea how this season may play out, Will there be 20 conference games, one non-conference game, that sort of idea.
0: Brad, we're right at the end of our show, your closing thoughts.
3: My closing thoughts, Wes, revolve around the late, great, Georgetown head coach John Thompson, Jr. You and I have not had a chance to speak since he passed away at the, uh, at the beginning of September, but I wanted to share a couple of stories about John Thompson real quick. During the whole Hoya paranoia era when Syracuse and Georgetown had that great rivalry in the 1980s, for some reason, John Thompson took a liking to me covering as a rookie reporter at WSYR Radio, then moving into hosting the pre- and post-game shows. Always got along with John Thompson, Jr. It was kind of something that I always looked forward to, to seeing him in the Syracuse-Georgetown games, whether they're in the Carrier Dome or in Washington, D.C., or in the Big East Tournament in New York City. And one story I wanted to share in particular was circa 1996, I'm out in Las Vegas on business, I'm waiting to pick my wife up at the airport, coming in on a late night flight from Philadelphia, and as I'm in the uh, in that era, you could still meet uh, people you were that were flying in right at the gate. There were no restrictions in pre nine eleven, so I'm in the terminal, the waiting area for the the uh, flight to come come in from Philadelphia, and I look around and who do I see wearing a flat top hat? But John Thompson Jr., joined then by his longtime assistant Mary Fenlon, as he was breaking ground with having a female assistant on the bench and also assistant coach Mike Riley. So when I noticed him in, in sitting there with all the other passengers and he was waiting for a late a red-eye flight back to Washington, D.C., I went up to him suddenly and said, Coach Thompson, how are you doing? And he was so shocked to see me and, and knew that I, you know, had recognized him, Mary Fenlon and Mike Riley, and he couldn't have been more cordial. Broke out into a conversation what are you doing here? Oh, I'm picking up my wife. Oh, tell me a little bit more about your wife. So he was, that was the other side of John Thompson that people did not see. He cared about the people he knew and he had a soft spot for the people he knew. So he could certainly be fiery on the sidelines. He could certainly be fiery and competitive in his relationship with Jim Bayheim in the eighties and the Syracuse Georgetown matchup, but he was really a teddy bear at heart. And, When he passed away, it really struck to me about all the good times and the great moments I had with him, interacting both when he was a coach and then in his post-coaching career. He'd always be in the same seat in D.C. watching the Syracuse-Georgetown games. So it was just something I wanted to share, the soft side of John Thompson Jr.
0: Brad, my closing thoughts are on 2021 three-star wide receiver Rondé Gaddis in the second committing to Syracuse on Monday. Gaddison comes out of the Florida Powerhouse American Heritage High School in the Fort Lauderdale area. He's 6'4", 190 pounds, looks every bit like his father who played six seasons in the NFL with the Miami Dolphins. Syracuse has 21 commitments now in their 2021 class. And how's this for a good sign? The class is currently ranked 44th in the country by 24-7 sports. A really nice get for Syracuse. Congratulations to the coaching staff on another great addition. That's it for us. For Brad Bierman, this is Wes Chang reminding you that I bet crowds are really annoying for mind readers. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.tv, and we'll see you next time.
1: This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.tv audio network. Price picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepix.com play100 and use code PLAY100. That's code PLAY100 at prizepix.com play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix. Daily fantasy sports made easy.